Two Recruiters, One Mike. A podcast brought to you by Talent United, where we talk about business, people, and the business of people. That's Dion Hart. And that is Gary Banks. This is the radio. Well, here we are again. Welcome back to another episode of Two Recruiters, One Mike, a podcast brought to you by Talent United with Gary Banks. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Very well, thanks. I'm your other host, Dion Hart, and uh, today we are ripping into part three of what will be a three-part series on uh, common mistakes that we see companies make uh, when they're hiring. So this is whether uh, you're working with a recruiter or not, um, these these are the common mistakes that we see uh, organised make organisations making when they're trying to, to secure talent. Um, so as we say from time to time, th- this is uh, this is our opinion. These are our observations from working in this space for uh, forty years between Gary and I. So look, if you hear things and and they seem like they'll be helpful, they resonate with you. By all means, put them into your recruitment process. Um, if you don't want to, that's cool too. Um, these aren't you know these aren't hard and fast rules. They're just suggestions from from things that we see going on. So um, part one, we covered off uh, four mistakes, which were, in, in summary, uh, not having a role signed off, uh, not scoping the role out properly, not having the right brief of the person that you're looking for, and not working uh, hard enough or at all on your EVP, your employer value proposition. Um, Podcast two, episode two in the series, we covered uh, having a poor advertising message, um, using the uh, the wrong channels or not enough channels, having a bad process, and interviewing um, poorly. And Gaz, I guess the the next step that follows on from the interview is, uh, or not not always is, but always should be feedback. Hear yes. That? That- <laughs> That was sil- that was silence, Dion, and that's often what you get. It took me a moment to realise uh, that doing. you were doing that on that's purpose. That's right. That was silence, yeah. and that's what Smooth. we often get <laughs> after the end of the interview. Uh, look, it's it's human nature to want feedback, and it's just something that should be as part um, of the process. And look, it depends on the type of organisation. I know. Uh, for instance, in the past, for my sins, have sat on the panels of of some government uh, work, and they didn't like giving uh, any feedback until everybody in the process had been interviewed, and that could, you know, sometimes be quite a while. Uh, what you find is that that person's interviewed, and then a long time later, they get some feedback on that. I've got to say that's probably not best process at yep. all. Um, and Far from it. Better practice is to just even it doesn't. I think what a lot of people confuse is that that initial feedback has to be a decision. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. What it Correct, does, it yeah. needs to be just feedback on how the interview went and then what the next stage of a business. It could be the decision. It could be, look, you're not right for us. You know, thank you for your time. We didn't feel you had enough of this and that's why we're not wanting to go further. And if that's something, that a decision that you've come to, um, you know, pretty much decided on, yeah, look, it's, it's obvious. Yep. It's best to do that early um, yeah. and, and to give that properly to it. Um, it's also, you know, again, we talk about the, the ways that you communicate this back. If you've had this interview and then it's most likely going to be in person or at least 
over a video or of some description or, or you'll be talking to them it's probably best that you send it back to them in that same yep. method um, you might want to follow that up with a confirmation in writing um, but it's probably the again best practice to say well we interviewed in person or we knew in the phone I will give you that yeah, call yeah. To, to, yeah, to give you um, that feedback. So I, I think of all of the reasons that I've heard bandied around for lack of feedback over the years. Uh, there's, there's really, I don't think I've heard one that's actually valid. Um, you know, we'll hear, um, you know, that they're, they're not right or they, you know, sometimes we'll hear reasons that aren't necessarily the right sort of reasons and, and maybe that's why they don't want to communicate those reasons. Um, I, I know some companies get a little um, a little apprehensive about, uh, or I shouldn't say some companies, some hiring managers I've dealt with have been a little apprehensive to give feedback because they don't want to enter into you know, any sort of confrontation or, you know, they don't want a, an ongoing discussion about why they're wrong or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think if, if that's the case and you really want to, you want to deliver that feedback by email, uh, look, e even feedback by email uh, is better than no feedback. A hundred percent. And even if it's not, as you say, it's not the final decision, you know, like no news is news. Yeah. You know, yeah, hey, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. You know, we're going to go everything, and we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. But you, you, I think it's it's uh, something you have to start looking for, and, and perhaps there's a little bit of effort needs to go into it. There, there is going to be a reason why you don't want to progress with this particular person, and there is going to be some learnings that that person can take yep. away yep. from that. So try and present it in as constructive a format as possible. Um, you know, we just felt that in this particular instance, your your skill set of what you are at is not really what we're looking for. You know, maybe in six months' time, it might be a different story, yeah. but um, for what we need right now, you're just not right at that experience level. You get that sort of feedback, most people generally say, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that on board. Um, but, you know, you should give feedback. To give none is not right. Yeah. Um, and then the feedback you give, at least let them take something away from it. Even if it's something, you know, hey, you know, you haven't done this particular area of study. Yeah. You know, we would suggest that you do that. You know, yeah. And then, you know, we can maybe look at, again, that down the track. Yeah. Because that, that's the other thing. If you are an organisation that is in a growth mode, um, and this is not an isolated role where it's just a one of a kind. You know, if it's something where there are multiple of these roles over time, that person that is not right for you now may well be right for another yeah. role that you have down the track. It could be perfect for a year's time. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I don't know if that'd be well, perfect. Well, no, yeah, we, we, know very about, good match. we know about people, yes. but they could be yes. great. They could be great. They could be great. And, uh, and, and that you, you want to try and give them a positive experience to take away. They don't get any feedback or, or they get poor feedback that really doesn't address anything, they're not going to be so excited yeah. about coming back the next time Yeah, around. for sure. And I think a lot of the times that if feedback is given and it isn't taken well, um, either it, it's poorly thought through feedback, like you say, there's no value to the person, um, you know, there's no value to the candidate and how they can improve their chances next time, and or they've just been made to wait way too long. And if you, you know, if, if you hold out for two or three weeks and then uh, you call someone and say, oh, we just decided you're not quite right for the role, well, they're probably, you know, arguably justified in, in saying, well, you know, you could have told me that 
you know, you could have told me that 15 days ago. Yeah. Um, and I could have just checked out of this role and got on with, you know, applications for other roles. So just really just keep, provide feedback, A, uh, and B, just keep it, try and keep it as constructive as you can. Look, it's never a fun conversation, you know, and it's probably one of the, probably one of the crappier parts of our job really is is to to say to someone hey look thanks for all your time but unfortunately you know not this time um but it, it's something that needs to be said and if you're in a position where you're you're um you're hiring you're interviewing you're hiring whether you are an agency doing it or whether you're a company directly if you're in a position where you have that responsibility to hire you also have the responsibility to have those hard conversations yeah. that you don't want to have yeah it's not you it's me that's, yeah that's, exactly as george and seinfeld used Correct. to say yeah. Correct. Okay, so you've given your feedback to everybody who's been unsuccessful. Um, you've decided who you want, and you're going to make an offer. Now, again, th- this is an area, this is a real weak point that we see in a lot of people's process. Uh, and it probably because it's the first point that really involves money, the, d- the dinero. And, you know, not much gets people... Um, fired up more when it comes to their their job and and the job hunting application process or hiring than when the discussion about money starts. So, look, I guess our overarching advice for that, or mine anyway, is if you've discussed uh, a salary or an hourly rate with the candidate uh, or or a range, um, then make sure if it comes time to make an offer, you're not lowballing that person. If if you've said a role is uh, you know, it's 75 to 80. Don't offer them 65 because it will feel like 55 to them and you'll burn the whole bridge. Yep. And look, even sometimes when they're talking about ranges, even if you go at the bottom of that range, sometimes yeah. people feel a little aggrieved about that. So imagine how they feel if it's, if you know, under, it's the range. under that again. You know, and again, you've gone through that process and try and you know, put it into to context too. If you, you know, what what is you know as an after tax amount in the in the hand over a year, that extra five or ten thousand, you know, going to cost you a week to get the right person that you want to have. Uh, I, I can tell you without a word of a lie in the current marketplace, if you are lowballing, you are not getting mm. the people that you want. End of story. You're just you're just absolutely wasting your time, and you're wasting mm. the time of. Uh, of the candidate and everybody else that you've brought into the interview process as well. It's, you know, nothing worse than if, if you're a candidate and you are invited in for an interview and you've either been put forward by a recruiter or you've said, look, I'm looking for X amount of money. Uh, I'm looking for at least 100. I wouldn't move for less than 100. And you take up their time and you interview them and you spend your own time and you go through and you offer them 90. You know, absolutely don't be surprised when they say no because... Yeah. You know, it goes the same way too. If someone came in and said, I will take this job for 100, and you offer them 100, and then they turn around and said, no, now I want 110. Well, as a, as a, a hiring manager, you'd be pretty annoyed. And that's just simply the opposite of lowballing. Yeah, highballing. Yeah, you might say. Could <laughs> <laughs> well be that. Yes, I, I, I had one uh, again as we record this today, uh, where we had a candidate come through, and and they mentioned in the in the interview they're looking for a range from this to this, um, and we're happy to take it anywhere in that range. And they were absolutely ecstatic when the the client came back and said we're going to offer the top of that range. Yeah. So again, if you look at the 
uh, the not lowballing or this, this yep. highballing concept, as you call it, um, you know that that is an opportunity to really leave a great impression. And and often we're talking this particular case, we're talking about a range of like three thousand dollars. It wasn't that made it much a difference yep. uh, for it, but it made a lot of difference to the person it receiving did, yes. it. And they they are saying, oh, I just cannot wait to go and. Uh, join this organisation. So, you know, that feel-good factor that you, you have, there's yep. a lot to be said mm-hmm. for that um, and getting people that want to come into to work because, you know, they, they, it's at some point down the track, they're going to not want to be there. But you want to get that honeymoon feeling happening yeah, that's as, right. as, as, long, as long as possible and, and not low-balling is the way to get yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, look, we're, not, we're definitely not saying, you know, we, especially at the moment, nobody's got an unlimited hiring budget. We're not saying... You have to put an unlimited amount of money. You can only spend what you can afford to spend on a roll. We get that. Budgets are often fixed for hiring. Um, but the point is simply, if your budget is uh, 100 uh, and you t- and you discuss 90 to 100 with someone, don't offer them 80. Um, if you have to offer a range because you're not sure, discuss that range with the candidate by all means. But when the offer comes, it needs to be in that range yeah. or above if yeah. you you know yeah. are blown away, but definitely yeah. not below the range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing we talk about reasons why they shouldn't do it, and people say, oh, well, look, that person's looking for more than what other people at similar levels are going to be on. Maybe this is a time where you have to reassess what those other people are paying. Yeah. Uh, because we, we've talked about the, like a, a retention bonus in some instances where, yep. you know, because it is so competitive out there and good people are knowing what they're worth in the marketplace, um, if you don't want to pay this person who's looking at market because they're more earning more than what your current people are, that means that your current people are under market mm. and uh, if and probably else, being approached probably being yeah. approached so yeah and look the way that we've got to run it depends on the organization and what you're in but you know, over the course of time uh, it become people become more efficient at running their operations they can do it for a lot less maybe your profit margins do get squeezed but you've got the ability to do that because some of your input costs into running mm. your business aren't as great as they used to be um, it, it could be different you know, places with supply chains and building and all that sort of thing prices have gone up and yep. so you know something has to give there um, but it, it, you've, you know, you might just have to look okay well if I do bring this person in I want to get them they're in this range if I'm worried about what everyone else is getting paid, well, maybe I have to look at that as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I saw somebody post something on LinkedIn the other day, and, and it was a bit. Uh, I, I think I have the numbers roughly right, and it was a bit, bit rough and ready, and it doesn't. It's certainly not gospel, but they were essentially saying, um, at the moment, people are moving for anywhere from sort of 10, 15, 20 percent pay rises. So if you give someone a five percent pay rise, they've in effect taken a pay cut to stay where they are, and and I know that's not strictly true in every case because there's a lot of reasons why somebody stays and there's a lot of reasons why somebody goes but uh, the point you make is a hundred percent correct if uh, if the market if the market is recruiting people like the ones you have and paying them 20 percent more then those people are worth 20 percent more because almost invariably someone will approach them and say what about a move and if they you know tw- a 20 percent pay rise to people is a lot of money yeah, oh, unless you're on an absolute mozza, um, a twenty percent pay rise is a lot. So if you yeah. have people who in your business who can, who can go elsewhere and earn another twenty percent, don't be fooling yourself that they're not, you know, considering it. Yeah. Most of them, at least, considering it. And look, one way to get rid of this whole low balling idea is to just get the money right at the start. Just be very clear uh, yeah, and, and do research as to what it is. 
find out where people are coming through, where, where they are at. Um, and, and you should, look, if, if they're coming in and they're talking about numbers that are far in excess of where you're prepared to go, you should have been having these conversations in the in the interview mm. with them and closed them off and, and covered them already. Yeah. So when it comes to the time for the offer, um, it, there are no surprises. Yeah. It should be pretty much as everybody thought by the time we get to offer stage. Yeah. Well, at least no, at least no bad surprises. That's right. You yes. know. So, um, okay, so assuming that you've made a good offer, uh, the person that you've been after has accepted it, um, generally speaking, this, the, a, a problem at this point won't very often cost you that person, um, but what it can cost is a lot of time and a lot of frustration and, a, and a, again, a bit of a bad taste in the mouth of the person joining your organisation. And that is all, what, what we would say are all the other mechanics around getting that person on board. So things like testing. So you might say, um, oh, look, we're, we're going to verbally offer you this position uh, contingent on uh, a police check and a, and a medical and this check and that check. And, you know, we'd probably knock that over in the next couple of weeks. Um, we've got to get a contract ready, etc. cetera. Um, there's a lot of that stuff that can be done also during the interview process. Um, some of those things have costs, so you might not want to pay. You might, if you're down to, say, a final three, back, I'm going back a while now when we had shortlists of yeah. three people, but... Um, if you're down to a shortlist of three, um, you might not want to pay for all three to have a medical. You might want to make a decision and say, okay, right, Gary's the guy we want, and then and then they pay for police check, medical check, etc. But just keep those, don't let those things um, hold up the process any, because whilst, yes, they have verbally accepted, anyone who's worked in recruitment for more than about five minutes knows that that is not strictly a deal closer yeah it, um, it can be the verbal contract can be worth the paper it's written on precisely yeah. so um and especially the employment contract you know and we see from time to time um you know one of our brands had one not long ago where it took about two weeks to get the employment contract together um after the role was verbally accepted and the thing about employment contracts these days is 90 percent of them are uniform almost right across the business and there's certainly something you can be working on while this recruitment process is ongoing. And then you're really just changing the, you know, the index or the index at the back to say, okay, Gary, here's his address. Uh, you know, we're going to pay him 20 grand a year. This is where he's going to work, et cetera, et cetera. So have that process, have those wheels turning as well, because um, oh, what does is, what is, um, Greg Savage call it? The... Um, those who don't know Greg Savage, he's one of the great uh, recruitment trainers in Australia. The Valley of Death. Yeah. He, the Valley of Death is the point where, uh, between where an offer is verbally accepted and the person starting at your organisation, um, and and he calls it. And he's been around. Uh, he's been around as long as you and I have combined. Yeah. And he calls it the Valley of Death for a reason. And it is because uh, it's where you know offer acceptances go to die and when those processes take too long especially the contract i reckon mm. because if someone's verbally offered a job and they accept it they go yeah that's great but i haven't got a contract yet which means a i, I may still continue looking around but b i probably won't resign from where i am currently either because i haven't got it in writing yep. um, which opens up the door for counter offers um and and or someone else to, to sneak in the side door and say, oh, well, we'll offer you this and scoop up your person when you've you've half checked out because you think, well, they've verbally accepted our offer and surely they'll stick by the word because, mm. you know, everyone does. So, yeah, don't 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 slow things down when you're in the valley of death either. No, that's the case. It should be it. It should just be 
basically by the time it comes to yep offer accepted right press play all the rest of these things happen that haven't happened already yeah and and happened from there again the, the one i was talking about from just today um i just got a text before we started recording this from the uh from the canvas yep signed it returned it already Great. so the the and offer, they were offered the offer this morning offered this morning yeah. and See, the, that's how it should be done exactly right that's that's some very good practice so you know it i know sometimes we're talking about smaller organizations and they you know it, it takes a bit out of it but at, at that particular point in time there probably isn't too much more that's more important to your business yeah, 100 uh, about getting this person across the line so do whatever you can right then to, to make it happen as quickly as possible and look probably the final um mistake that we'll cover and we'll probably cover it very briefly because it, it is a pros it is a part of the process that you know as recruiters as agency recruiters we're not involved in a, a hell of a lot and that's onboarding so we know we know it happens to varying degrees within companies. We know it's incredibly important, um, but often, far more often than not, it's not a part of the process that we really play a big, you know, have a big involvement in. No, that's right. I, I, we got some colleagues that um, you know they have offer value-added products and that sort of thing to help with the onboarding process. But I guess the most important thing is make sure you have one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like oh, there you go, there's your desk. Away we go. Yeah, it's it's very rarely like that um, anymore. There needs to be a process, and you need to be continually checking in uh, to see how that that person is going. Um, you know, and and that onboarding process really starts with the offer and acceptance. It should be seamless from there yep. and to get you through that valley of death yep. and to when they actually start and then it continues on. And then what they do once they start. From that point once yeah. they start and, onwards. And look, you see, I've, I've, seen some, um, I've seen some really great examples of, of early onboarding. Um, you know, again, oftentimes these are shared on LinkedIn and, I, and I'm talking about... You know, someone saying, oh, look, I've signed a contract and I start in two weeks, but look at this. And they've got a nice little box of, you know, stuff with the company logo and all that sort of thing on it. Also, I should mention that we once did that and we remember we sent some, we sent a box of goodies to someone who was coming on board and they were all branded uh, and they didn't come on board <laughs> they didn't end up joining us. So they kept their coffee cup and a bunch of other stuff that yeah. we sent them. But it, it, but it, you don't have to go to that trouble, but, but at the very least... Keep up communication. You know, if if somebody's working, they've they've signed the contract, they've returned it to you. They're on they're on a four week notice period. Don't wait four weeks to call them. Call them in a couple of weeks and just uh, just say, have you got any questions? Have you, any anything come up in the last couple of weeks that you want to ask us about? Call them a couple of days out, um, and then as Gary said, have a process for um, when they arrive. Yeah, there could also be. I mean. It depends on on the organisation and, and what the pro, those actual processes are and the, the training part, which is hand in hand with the on, onboarding. But there, there might be some things that you can get them to do in that time beforehand, so they are going to be hitting the ground the yep. ground running, and and, it, and they're more than happy to do it because it's it's helpful. It's new information about the business, the way we do things around here. Here's some some um, you know uh, research that, we, that helps us do what we do. So you don't mean work. Sort of you don't mean get them to no, start working. No, yeah. Yeah, four yeah. weeks before they that, start. That's a bit tricky, but it, at least to get them in yeah. there so they know what goes on. Uh, and so then, yeah, a lot of that, and a lot of that stuff isn't probably the most exciting stuff. And so, yeah, if you can get that out of the way nice and early, mm. it means that once you get them in there, you can really get them into the, the nitty gritty. Yeah, and there's a whole, uh, there's, and I can't quote any of it, but there's a stack of research. If you want to Google it, chuck it into Google, but there's a stack of research around 
how much more likely someone is to last their probation period and go on for a longer period of time if they feel uh, that their onboarding process went well. And, and, you know, as opposed to you turn up on day one, or, you know, ask for Kate when you get there at 8.30 and you get and Kate has got no idea what she's supposed to do. There's no process. She doesn't know where you're sitting. There's no training organised. Like you've just, you've got to put in because having that person secured and signing their contract and even turning up on day one, that is not the end of the recruitment process. Yeah. You know, there's a really, really... Um, there's a really important part that needs to be done. It kicks off at that point. And, and as Gary said, we, we know some people who are really good in this space. Um, so whether we get, um, I think we might, I'm sure at some stage we'll get one of those people on and they can really, you know, we'll probably do a, a whole episode on the benefits of um, of onboarding because it's it's absolutely critical. Um, so look, we'll probably, uh, we'll probably leave it there. Hopefully... Uh, out of those 12 mistakes, you're not making, well, hopefully not making all of them, but if you're making, if you are making uh, any of them, and, and look, probably, you know, almost everyone is, and I know, you know, we have from time to time when we hire. So um, if you are making any of those mistakes, uh, then just have a look at your process and have a look at, you know, oftentimes it's not, we're not talking about monumental sort of changes either, um, you know, re-engineering the wheel to, to change your process and stop making those mistakes, but you might find that. Um, if you're losing good people through your process, then it's certainly, you know, well and truly worth um, making the effort. So, um, and if you do have any other questions uh, that you want us to address about any of those mistakes, uh, you can do a couple of things. You can go to tworecruiters1mike.com. You can just submit a question. Um, and if you want us to uh, address it in what we call our talent bites, which are little five to 10 minute um, answers to, to your questions that we record, um, fire that through. Or if you just have a question, you just say, hey, look, I just want someone to come back to me. You know, we're, we're generally pretty happy to do that too. So uh, hopefully that three-part series has been helpful. Don't make any of those mistakes if you can help it. And uh, your recruitment process will be uh, easier and more successful and hopefully a lot less uh, stressed as well because we could all do with a little less stress so uh thanks very much for tuning in we'll be back uh next week with another episode of uh two recruiters one mike all right see you then podcast brought to you by talent united thanks for listening please rate review and subscribe so we can reach more people and don't forget if you want to submit a question for our talent bite section you can do so on our website tworecruiters1mike.com see you next time